Welcome to the AIPT Movies Podcast with your hosts, Alex Harris. And with them, as always, are Tim Garner and Matt Paul. Today on the Fonzcast. <laughs> the Fonzcast. AIPT Movies Fonzcast. <laughs> no, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait. You're, a- no, it's already AIPT Movies Fonzcast. You'd think with all the effort I put into um, the Twitter this week, I'd see a bump in our listens, but we're down from last week. What the fuck? Is it still 69? <laughs> no followers, sure. This, this shit is unpredictable, man. It's probably because of how bad my audio was. People were like, we're <laughs> not listening to this. <laughs> right. Blame it on me. Blame it on the room. Blame it on the mat. <coughs> <laughs> was that a burp? That was a cough. Yeah. That was a cough. I have seasonal allergies, Alex. (laughs) And I just realized that I forgot to take my Claritin. Oh, jeez. Do you you need to go stop down and take some? No, it's fine. Anyway, (laughs) hello and welcome to the AIBT Movies Podcast. I'm Alex Harris. I'm an independent writer slash director. I would say you should know me from my ninja epic that finally continues the incredible ninja series from the 80s that began with Enter the Ninja, Revenge of the Ninja, and Ninja 3 The Domination, which are all real movies, by the way. Ninja 4 Into the Ninjaverse. Although the movie is finally wrapped production and is ready for release, I'm already starting to notice weird stuff about the production and release, such as... Hold on. Let me get it here. The movie is only being released straight to Red Box Santa by Yule, which is a video rental service that you can only find at Ukrainian ice skating rinks. Oh, bad timing, too. Uh, it's scheduled to be released in October 1981 via Time Machine before I was even born. The premiere is happening at the Fortress on the Southeast Expressway in Boston, which does sound kind of cool, but they better have the giant lock and chain on the building or I'm not interested. And the only press I'm doing for it is to appear on the Mattress King ads from Friends? How is that even supposed to work? Guys, I'm getting the impression the estate guys are fucking me over. Oh, uh, wow, it's Evan Christopher, one of the owners of the estate and the only trust fund kid that went to public school with us for some reason. Uh, What's up, Evan? Did someone say something about fucking someone over? (laughs) I'm an alpha, so I never fuck someone under personally. Tim, Matt, long time no see. Alex, my non-Jewish Seth Brogan, what's up with all this talk about release issues with Ninja 4? What, what's going on, man? Like, like seriously, I'm getting pretty tired of all this crap with my movies. Oh, who said your movies are crap? Certainly not me. Maybe anyone else who's seen them, but not me. <laughs> I love Swifty the Moon Rat. My son, Christopher, pretends he's Swifty every day when he burps in my daughter Krista's ear, clicks his heels, and runs away. <laughs> I didn't say they're crap. I said, what's with all this crap? They never come out, man. Hey, man, I may not be fully in touch with the commoners or serfs or puppets or whatever people who don't live in mansions are called nowadays but even i know that coming out is an important process that can't be rushed evan we go way back we've been friends for over 20 years i i babysit tristopher krista trista 
Topher, and Lloyd for years while you were on business trips. I film all your Instagram stories and TikToks, even the ones that are supposed to be selfies like your daily toilet thoughts. Come come on, man. Hey, I'll look into it. I'll, I'll check with Hunter and Pat. Maybe they know what's up. It's, uh, it's probably just a typo. <laughs> what single part of... Hold on, let me find it. Ninja 4's streaming rights have been sold to New England's own WLVI-TV56 Kids Club? Could possibly be a typo. Oh, well, the part that the rights were sold. They didn't actually pay us. I mean, how could they? They don't even exist anymore. Evan, come on. I, I, I know Pat and Hunter are soulless lizard people. No offense, Matt. Offense taken. Those walking Yacht Club ads wish they were from Cobra Law. But you, Evan, you're not that bad. Come on, help me out here. Okay. Okay, man, I'll look into it. I promise. Uh, before I check, this Ninja 4 movie isn't of special personal significance to you or something, is it? <laughs> you know it is, and you know exactly what recent event inspired me to make it. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah no, I'm, I'm sorry. You're right. Uh, I knew that. <laughs> okay, yeah, uh, I'll look into it. I promise. <laughs> Thank you. All right, well, I gotta go. Me, Pat, and Hunter are going to a post-post Oscars party where us rich elites can slap anyone we want without repercussions. <laughs> Not sure why Will didn't wait for the slap to party like he usually does. <laughs> anyway, later, guys! Hi, I'm Tim Gardner, man of suit actor, contortionist, mime, green suit guy. You may know me from my role in the Batman. Hell, even I got to be in the opening scene and some of the trailers. Oh, really? That, that's amazing, Tim. Let me let me guess. You, you doubled for Paul Dano in one of the mass Riddler scenes or something? No. I played the carpet tucker when it was thrown towards the camera. Dano just couldn't get it to land in the right spot, so I put on a carpet tucker suit with holes for my legs in the bottom, and I just hopped towards the camera. I landed perfectly on my mark, and they edited my legs out in post. Thanks to Matt Reeves, at least, some of the producers suggested actually cutting my legs off. Wow. That's good job, Tim. Tim, wow. Like, oh my god. No, I know. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I also played the mayor when his head was all taped up because no one else could hold their breath that long. But I'll be honest, I barely remember that part. Or or that week. (laughs) Hi, I'm Matt Paul, and I'm just a guy on a podcast. I'm certainly not a script doctor. And anyone who says I am needs to be automatically corrected, even if it's at a really inconvenient time. Speaking of ill-timed autocorrects, that's what I suggested happened to Tracy Lett's character when he tries to text his wife about the identity of the killer in Hulu's new movie, Deep Water. Ben Affleck himself suggested Lett should try to call his wife instead, since he was driving, but I was like, Ben. I don't know how often you've had to try to make a phone call while speeding away from an incompetent murderer, but I accidentally called Domino's instead of my wife, Diana, once, and Dee Snyder another time. It's not as easy as you think. I also suggested the movie could use some comedy, since it was so dark at the time. What with the murder and all. Affleck didn't agree with me, but then he remembered he got to hang out with Ana de Armas all day and didn't really care about the actual quality of the movie anyway.
I don't blame him. (laughs) 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 I mean, I'm convinced that's why he did the movie. Anyway, (laughs) once again, in an affront to my dreams of being a writer on Mad TV, we have some corrections from the previous episode. Wait, wait, that was canceled? What? God damn it. Anyway... First, in the last two episodes, I talked about a comic that Tim and I made with friends in fifth grade that was surprisingly similar to the cartoon Swacats, which came out the following year. I made a joke about our friend and co-creator Gordon Weber, who we lost touch with after fifth grade, selling the idea for our comic to the Swacats producers, and I called Gordon an opportunistic rat. Which I not only pronounced in a strange way in the episode, but is simply not true. I actually got a surprise Instagram message from Gordon after the Scream episode, and I found out he's been listening to this podcast since the beginning, which I legitimately had no idea about. Sorry about that, Gordon, and thanks for reaching out and listening. Hi, Gordon. That said, we also lost touch with a kid named Dave Cousy after fifth grade. So who says it wasn't Dave Turncoat Cousy who sold the idea to Hanna-Barbera? Where have you been, Dave? Indeed, where have you been, David? This is probably when we'll find out whether or not he listens. Second, I'd like to clarify my real opinion on the Snyderverse, especially since Snyder fans somehow managed to win both fan favorite categories at the Oscars. Uh, I like the Dawn of the Dead remake a lot. I like the Watchmen movie and actually like Batman vs. Superman quite a bit with a few minor but significant complaints. I just can't believe that we're still hearing about the Snyderverse constantly and I've never seen a fan base so determined to deny reality and attack any people who don't agree with them, including people who have written comics professionally for decades and or filmmakers who theoretically know more about the industry than the Snyder fans. They just refuse to give up no matter how many signs there are that it's time to move on. That said, I guess I admire their conviction. I just wish they directed it towards something more meaningful, like, I don't know, the Schumacher-verse or something. Uh, speaking of Schumacher, I'd like to add the following thoughts to our Batman and Robin discussion. <laughs> Bruce Wayne's motorcycle collection was a great investment for him since they have been the gateway to sidekicks in not one, but two Schumacher movies. How did we not <laughs> notice that when we were talking about uh, it? <laughs> that's a really good point. <laughs> Uh, also, I couldn't find any official info on Bane's mystery bitter from Batman and Robin, but the popular theory is that it's Ra's al Ghul, or possibly Lex Luthor. I, I-, I think it's more likely that it was supposed to be Ra's al Ghul. Probably right, Rache, yeah. Mm. I mentioned how Julie Madison, played by Elle McPherson, was such a useless and inconsequential love interest in a Batman Robin, and I've since realized that she was almost definitely put there to remind people that Bruce Wayne is straight. Like, like I, I almost guarantee it because there's all those, like, oh controversial God. things about him and Robin. I can definitely see someone being like, we, she need, he needs a love interest. I don't, I don't care if it, if it matters to the story or not. It needs to be there. I hate, I hate it, but it's probably so true. That, yeah. Right. And, and when we talked about Bane in his hat and trench coat, we compared him to Raphael going to see a movie in 1990s Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. We couldn't remember which movie Raphael was seeing, but it was, in fact, Critters. A classic. Yeah. Where do they come up with this stuff? <laughs> Third, I want to apologize to the director of Infinite Storm. <laughs> I already forgot how to say it. Malgorzada. Malgorzada Shumuska? Shumowska. Shumowska. Malgorzada Shumowska, 
who I made a joke about having a demon name and accused him of tricking me into summoning a demon by correcting my pronunciation. That was rude and short-sighted of me to compare their name to a demon's name. I'd also really like to apologize to my new Dark Lord, Malgrusada the Defiler, who now lives within the void of my mind along with a sentient alien symbiote with an amorphous liquid-like form from all the way back in episode 9. Huh. It's getting a... Getting pretty crowded in there. What just happened? <laughs> I blacked out. In our previous episode, we wondered how they found the cold cigar that Mr. Freeze was smoking in his hideout in Batman and Robin. We actually did call it Mr. Freeze and asked him about it. Let's check it out right now. Ah, yes, the cold cigar. Yes, yes. Mr. Schwarzer would have his signature. He was so upset. He was only my pre-freeze double. In fact, he didn't look as cool as I do every day. We argued a lot on the set of the movie. Always trying to compete with me about who could lift more, who has more perfect bone structure, and whose breath smelled more like cool mint, which I have to admit he won. But anyway, yes, yes, so Mr. Braunschlager couldn't bear to just be my double, so he insisted we fool the audience into thinking he was playing me, and there was no way anyone would believe it if Mr. Freeze never smoked a cigar. I told him I couldn't smoke one because the heat would warm my cold blood. So they made a popsicle that looked like a cigar, and they added a little burnt thing on the end with CGI's. Fun fact, the way they made me look so sick and pained at the end of the movie was by having me take a puff of a real cigar between takes. Mr. Quartzenblogger is lucky my lips are frozen and never leak because the truth about his role in Batman and Robin could have ruined his brief political career. I could have put old Snowman the Barbarian on ice with the truth, and it would have been see you later, Governor. Uh, thanks for the explanation, Mr. Freeze. Hopefully Arnold doesn't hear this episode and come for us. I mean, imagine if we ended up having Mr. Freeze and Arnold get into an argument on this show? <coughs> yeah, that sounds exhausting for some people involved. Also, we mentioned that Jesse Ventura played one of the guards uh, in Arkham Asylum in Batman and Robin, but we couldn't remember who the other guard was played by. The other guard, come to find out, was played by Ralph Moeller, who was also in Cyborg and Universal Soldier. Nice. You may have also noticed my express disappointment with how Bane was handled in the movie. For those of you who are unfamiliar with the character's origins, per Wikipedia, Bane is a supervillain appearing in American comic books published by DC Comics, created by writers Chuck Dixon and Doug Mensch? 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 I think he's a Mensch. What? (laughs) He's a Mensch. Yeah, Doug Mensch. He's a good guy. And artist Graham Nolan, he made his debut in Batman, Vengeance of Bane, number one, January 1993. Bane is usually depicted as a dangerous adversary of the superhero Batman and belongs to the collective of enemies that make up the Batman rogues gallery. Possessing a mix of brute strength and exceptional intelligence, which was a glaring omission from the movie we discussed, Bane is often credited as the only villain to have broken the bat, defeating him both physically and mentally. At the time of Batman and Robin's premiere in 1997, Bane had already broken Batman's back in Batman number 497 from the July 1993 issue as part of the infamous Nightfall storyline, where Azrael briefly took over the mantle of Batman. The more you know. (laughs) The more you know. Because you didn't ask. Related to our Batman and Robin discussion, we'd like to apologize for not mentioning that the awkward shot of Robin coming out of the water while being attacked by Poison Ivy's plants, which was then reversed to pull him back underwater, was actually the original inspiration for Instagram boomerangs. They even called it a boomerang in reference to batarangs, but changed it to boom because boom stood for look at the butt 
on O'Donnell, man. <laughs> Finally, I'd like to demand an apology from Tim and Alex for talking about Mr. Freeze's great lines in Batman and Robin, but not pointing out that I wrote many of them after I met Mr. Freeze at a production kickoff party at my Uncle Pentor's mansion, the Slither Villa. Wait, I I thought we weren't supposed to talk about you being a script doctor. You're not, unless not talking about it prevents me from getting credit for something great I did. You're totally supposed to talk about that. Oh, jeez, I'm, I'm sorry, Matt. Uh, let us correct what we said in the previous episode, then. Uh, we'd like to point out that many of Mr. Freeze's great lines were written by Matt when he was 17 before he was officially working as a script doctor. Who told you that? I was 16! Sorry, when Matt was 16 before he was officially working as a script doctor. Who told you that I was a script doctor? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think we should just move on. Uh, that's it for corrections. Let's move on to some news. Legendary action star Bruce Willis is stepping away from acting after being diagnosed with aphasia, which is the inability to comprehend or formulate speech. In related news, this podcaster is suffering from a similar inability to speak due to having a foot in his mouth. I actually cut back on the Willis jokes in recent months because I learned that his supposed health issues are not only an open secret in Hollywood, but that his seemingly endless parade of straight-to-VOD movies are part of a plan to pay for his care and leave more money for his family. Uh, in truth, Bruce Willis is one of my favorite actors, having been in the Die Hard movies, The Last Boy Scout, Unbreakable, hell yeah, and one of my favorite hidden gems, Last Man Standing. He also has one of the greatest cameos of all time in National Lampoon's Loaded Weapon. Uh, I was especially hard on him due to how much I loved his movies for most of my life, but I apologize. I've seen the effects of aphasia firsthand, and it's horrible for everyone involved. Sorry about that, Mr. Willis. And I have to follow this up. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Michael Bay describes some of the CGI effects in the new film Ambulance as shit. Even weirder is that he didn't realize Jake Gyllenhaal isn't CGI. <laughs> he's not? He's not. He's real But boy. those teeth, that smile. The hair. <laughs> those eyes. <laughs> those delts. <laughs> A deleted scene from The Batman has been released, which features Barry Keegan's Joker matching wits with Robert Pattinson in Arkham Asylum. Unfortunately, they still haven't released the scene where Batman has to awkwardly sign in at the desk and wait for his visitor badge. <laughs> a glaring omission. <laughs> I'd pay a lot to say that. <laughs> Sean William Scott doesn't think American Pie could be made today. Well, you may think he was making a point about risque comedy in an increasingly politically correct culture. He's actually revealing that he hasn't had to cook for himself or go to a grocery store in over 20 years. <laughs> Jared Leto says he hasn't watched one of his movies since 2000's Requiem for a Dream. Turns out, even he isn't a fan. <laughs> he hates that guy. <laughs> Ana de Armas' Marilyn Monroe movie for Netflix is going to be rated NC-17. Supposedly, the movie is so hot it could make a phoenix rise. <laughs> Boing. <laughs> <laughs> In breaking news, podcaster Alex Harris has officially gone on record as being in full support of restoring the Snyderverse, stating that he hates Jeff Johns, can't stand the new Batman movie simply because it wasn't Ben Affleck, and all previous positive statements about said movie were due to him being a, quote, spineless shill for Warner Brothers. Come on, I didn't say that! How do they do this? God, <sighs> A Nova series is in development at Marvel with Moon Knight writer Sabir Prezada. 
Finally, when Marvel fans see the word Nova on a TV listing, they won't be disappointed to find a PBS documentary. That happened to me a lot when I was a kid. Wow. That said, if this doesn't lead to the debut of Night Thrasher in a New Warriors movie, I'm going to be very upset. And yes, I realize that there was an unaired pilot for New Warriors. Just saying. Pilot is different from movie here, folks. That's right. So, technically... While she admits she's still embarrassed for Speed 2, Sandra Bullock has reversed her no-sequels rule. Unfortunately, though, producers used this opportunity to sneakily force her to sign on for Gravity 2, Cruise Control. (laughs) It's gonna be sick. (laughs) A novel based on Vasquez from Aliens will explore the backstory of the fan-favorite Colonial Marine. Fingers crossed that it finally explains why she's named Vasquez, but looks like a Jewish woman from Beverly Hills with a spray tan. (laughs) It was a different time. (laughs) A loving joke. (laughs) Francis Ford Coppola says he isn't a fan of Marvel movies, but admits that he likes Deadpool. Coppola's nephew, Nicolas Cage, asked what Coppola thought of the Ghost Rider movies, to which Coppola replied with his usual shun silence and another non-existent Thanksgiving invitation. You could freeze water, that shit's so cold. (laughs) In related news, pictures of Nicolas Cage's Dracula from the set of the universal horror comedy Renfield have been leaked online. I have to say, people reporting on these pictures are going to feel awfully embarrassed when they find out that was just simply how Cage dressed to do errands that day. I mean, really, have we confirmed that really is his costume? We haven't. We've confirmed nothing. Yeah. Everything is possible. Yeah. Alex, thank you for giving me all the savage ones this week. (laughs) I gave you this one specifically because... uh... Because you know how I feel about... Yeah. (laughs) Robert Eggers, the Northman, has earned an R rating for strong, bloody violence and nudity. But mainly for Nicole Kidman's weird face. (laughs) (laughs) How did they have plastic surgery back then? I want to know. Any any uh, Viking era uh, historians who listen to this, if 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 we're wrong and they really did have lip fillers and stuff like that, please let us know. Netflix wants to start charging for password sharing, which is bullshit because memorizing the password is supposed to be your reward for spending three hours trying to help your mother sign into her new Amazon stickamajig. <laughs> Wound still hasn't closed, huh, Al? <laughs> it was a long weekend. But good, but good, just in case, I don't know, in case she hears. Okay. We love you, Mrs. Harris. <laughs> 826,000 U.S. households watched Ben Affleck and Anna Darmus get sexy in the new erotic thriller Deep Water during his first weekend on Hulu. It would have been 826,001, but Jennifer Lopez wasn't having any of that shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how she wants to use her Genergy. Have you guys seen those commercials? <laughs> Genergy? Yeah, it's so awkward. Oh, no. (laughs) The Suicide Squad's Daniela Melchior is in talks to join Fast and Furious 10 because they decided they needed a new impressive female actor to borderline ignore. (laughs) I mean, when you have a formula, you just run with it, right, Fast and Furious? I mean, like, keep this in mind. Fast 8, and I love the Fast movies. Fast 8 is all about Dom being, like, the bad guy, and yet the lead is not his wife. It's, it is strange. It's very <laughs> like, strange. come on! Yeah. The 94th Academy Awards aired on Sunday, March 27th, and we actually sent a correspondent to the show. We asked them to broadcast live from the Oscars so we could quickly edit it into the last week's Batman and Robin episode, but seemingly they got confused and instead they broadcasted live at the Oscars. Uh, uh, it's hard to explain, but during the hushed silence after Will Smith slapped Chris Rock, if you really listened, you could hear this in the background. Will Smith just smacked the shit out of me. 
Anyway, here with the post-mortem of the Oscars and a little behind-the-scenes info is our official Oscars correspondent, the star of 2021's Malignant, our friend Gabriel. Gabriel, how have you been? I was trapped inside the mind of a girl that was behind me for a while. But I'm much better now. Thank you for asking, Alex. Great. So so Coda was the big winner at the Oscars this year. Were you surprised it did so well? Honestly, yes. I was confused by the movie. I'm glad to see differently abled characters represented as something other than horror movie villains. But I waited, and I waited after the credits, and they never went there. Went, went where? The Alabama Department of Corrections. What? <laughs> why, why would they... Uh... Wait, wait, th- uh, that's, um, that's ADOC, not CODA, Gabriel. Whatever. Maybe you'd mix up some stuff too if your arms and legs bent the other way. Sorry I'm not perfect and forward-facing, Tim. Uh... Yeah, don't worry about it, Gabriel. It's okay. Uh, what what do you think of the hosts? They were mostly fine. I enjoyed Regina Hall, who I've been a fan of ever since her role in the terrifying slasher that changed the genre. What slasher? The one the Craven Brothers made a parody of. What was it called? Um, oh yeah, Scream. Which was way too vague. The original got it right by telling you exactly what you were watching. A scary movie. Scary movie was the parody. Scream was the real movie. I think you may have got it backwards. What did you just say, Paul? Nothing, nothing. I'm sorry. Please continue. I will. Yeah, I loved Regina Hall ever since she was in Scream. But I hated Camp Nettle and Scary Movie. I like to think that Regina Hall purposely wore a two-faced suit from Batman the Animated Series at one point in order to show her support of people with unique faces that share their bodies with conflicting personalities. Okay, uh, let's move on. Um, there were a lot of tributes to older movies at the event, including a celebration of 60 years of James Bond. Any idea why Daniel Craig wasn't there? I don't know, probably because they weren't celebrating Wayne's World. Do you know anything? I can't believe you host a movie podcast. That, that's Dana Carvey? No! Wayne's World stars Daniel Craig, Seth Meyers, and that 1970s adult film star, Therald Blow. <laughs> None of that is right. Oh, so now you're not only insulting my inability to know left from right due to my reversed nature, but now you're shaming sex workers? I thought I was the one who was supposed to be backwards. Uh, again, I, I I can't apologize enough for the mix-up here, Gabriel. I, I, I'm sorry. Um, let's like again. I'll just move on. So so Dune won a ton of the technical Oscars. Uh, did you think they were just throwing them a bone, as that was probably the only genre picture that was like quote unquote artsy enough for the Academy to stand to vote for? I don't know. I couldn't make it through the whole movie. It took forever for the ship to take off, and I don't even know what an Inuit is. What is it supposed to be pronounced as? E-nudes? I, I, I didn't see any of those either. Do you have any behind-the-scenes stories from the event? Oh, yeah. Me and Lady Gaga were almost wearing the same thing. Oh, and I have something super juicy about the biggest story from the Oscars. You know, 
the thing that everyone is talking about. Oh, yeah? Let's hear it. So you know the moment heard around the world? Well, it seems it's worse than you think. Turns out it kept going on backstage after what we saw on TV. Seriously? I haven't heard anything about this. This is exclusive. Yes. So after it happened, not only did Amy Swimmer continue to argue with Jack Lemon backstage, but Lemon even went home with the seat filler instead of his wife, Thurston Dust. All right, Gabriel. Uh, we appreciate everything you tried to do for us. Any parting words? You're welcome, I guess. I hope your radio show works out for you guys. I, I guess the only thing I have is that there was a blink and you couldn't miss it weird thing with Jada Pinkett Smith and Chris Rock. Oh, oh yeah, that we, we know about that. You do? <laughs> Good. I thought I was the only one who noticed. Can you believe Rock made a G.I. Jane joke when he clearly should have made fun of her for torturing us for way too many seasons as Fish Mooney on Gotham? <laughs> you have a point there, Gabriel. A anyway, thanks again. Uh, hope you come back around again soon. Back around? What the fuck is that supposed to mean? I'm gonna find you and kill- <clears throat> Uh, well, <laughs> that's it from news. Let's move on to new releases. Despite the best efforts of Sony Pictures Motion Pictures- <laughs> of No, that's literally what they're called. My god, that's a disaster. Do you want me to- I mean, we can just call it Sony Pictures. No, no, it's even better. Despite the best efforts of Sony Pictures Motion Picture Group, which is actually what they're called, new in theaters this week is Morbius. Biochemist Michael Morbius tries to cure himself of a rare blood disease, but he inadvertently infects himself with a form of vampirism instead. <laughs> Happens to the best of us. This film is directed by Daniel Espinoza. It stars Jared Leto, Matt Smith, Adria Arjona, Jared Harris, Al Madrigal. <laughs> like... Like a magical. And Tyrese yeah. Gibson. New in theaters this week is You Won't Be Alone. In an isolated mountain village in 19th century Macedonia, a young girl is kidnapped and then transformed into a witch by an ancient spirit. The supernatural drama is written and directed by Goran Stolvesky. It stars Numi Repis, Alice Engelert, Carlotto Cotta, Anna Maria Marenka, Felix Maritad, and Sarah Klimoska. New in theaters and also available to stream this week is The Contractor. After being involuntarily discharged from the Marines, James Reed joins a paramilitary organization in order to support his family in the only way he knows how. The action thriller is directed by Tariq Saleh and written by J.P. Davis. It stars Chris Pine, Jillian Jacobs, Ben Foster, Kiefer Sutherland, Eddie Marzan, and J.D. Pardo. Real quick, it's, believe it or not, it's Gillian Jacobs. Gillian. Oh, oh. Gillian Jacobs. <laughs> New in theaters and VOD this week is Barbarians, a dinner party in a country house that sees four friends come together for a birthday celebration. But as the night progresses, secrets emerge and unsettling events begin to unfold around them. The horror film is written and directed by Charles Dorfman with the story by Stalin Rogue? Staten. <laughs> I said Stalin, right? Yeah, you did. <laughs> by Staten Rogue. It stars Catalina Sandino Marino, Tom Cullen, and Ramsey Bolton himself, Ewan Rion? 
<laughs> it's a Welsh name. I'm not quite sure of the pronunciation. As a Welshman myself, that's embarrassing. New in theaters only is Waterman. Is that a sequel to The Water Boy? <laughs> He's all grown up. He's a man. He's a waterman now. He's a waterman now. New in theaters only is Waterman. Five-time Olympic medalist and native Hawaiian Duke Paawa Kanamoku shattered records and brought surfing to the world while overcoming a lifetime of personal challenges. The documentary is directed by Isaac Halasima. It stars Laird Hamilton in reenactments and is narrated by Stargate Atlantis' own Jason Momoa. <laughs> I didn't realize he was in that. That's funny. That's, that's, the, only, that's the only way I know him. <laughs> New in theaters and VOD is The Devil You Know. A man, after a lifetime of trouble, has the chance to turn things around with the love and support of his family. As he tries to do right by his family, he finds himself spiraling back into the dark place he overcame. The thriller is written and directed by Charles Murray. It stars Omar Epps, Michael Ely, Vaughn W. Hebron, Michael Beach, B.J. Britt, Ashley A. Williams, Sarah Minich, and Theo Rossi. Fun little trivia about this movie. Um, the movie poster proudly displays Omar Epps and Michael Ely on the, as their faces and their names. But the cast bylines omit them entirely. Huh. Interesting. Fascinating. That means they're probably not in it a lot, I would assume. Right. Hmm. All right. That's it for new releases, which means it's time for What Did We Watch This Week? <laughs> well, what did we watch Boy, this week? did we watch <laughs> something. We watched something. It came out last October, but this week we watched Titan. Is that what we're... Is, are we calling it Titan? I, it's probably Titany or whatever. Titanium. Titan. Titan, whatever. Titan. 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 Following a series of unexplained crimes, a father is... <laughs> by the way, I love that this is the official synopsis. Right, and the, this is from the director, by the way. I know. Following a series of unexplained crimes, a father is reunited with a son who has been missing for 10 years. Titan, a metal highly resistant to heat and corrosion with high tensile strength alloys. The French-Belgian body horror drama is written and directed by Julia du Cornau, yep. who you may know from her previous feature, Raw. It stars Agatha Roussel? In her feature film debut as Alexia, a woman who, after being injured in a car accident as a child, has a titanium plate fitted into her head. Vincent Linden, Garantz Malier, <laughs> and Lys Seleme. <laughs> also, sorry, I love doing French pronunciations because I'm terrible at it. <laughs> so, as a warning, I'm sure there will be spoilers as we discuss Titan, so if you haven't seen it yet... You may want to, I don't know, get some French food, like a, a baguette, and a put on a, put on a nice, nice little, brie. <laughs> some nice brie, put on a nice little, um, that one of those hats, a and beret. Uh, a beret, a beret, and <laughs> a horizontal striped shirt, a striped shirt, <laughs> a striped shirt, maybe grow a little mustache, I don't know. Uh, I'm running out of really stereotypical French things to say. Um, watch the movie and come back. Otherwise, let's dig right in. So, Matt and Tim, what are your favorite things about Titan? <laughs> Matt, hit me with it. You know, I have to say, 
<laughs> this movie, this film. <laughs> Ooh. I like feel like I knew a little like the first, you know, let's see. I don't know, 20 minutes, half an hour is what I thought it was going to be, mm-hmm. I guess. Um which is what? What would you say? What, what what was that? I just thought it was like a weird. I didn't know she was going to kill people. Yep, okay. me neither. Um, but I knew there was some weird sexual thing with the car. <laughs> um, so that opening in the um in at that car show. First of all, is that a thing? Car shows that have like, um, girls and Alex. You should ask your brother that have like <laughs> girls. Um. <laughs> To some extent, yes. I don't know how much they dance on it, but I, I remember going to car shows at Bayside Expo Center when I was younger, and they would uh, they would legit have models with the cars. But Interesting. Just, but just standing there, not gyrating. Yeah, maybe in France not, they go a little harder with it. I, yeah. I don't know. More liberated yeah. than us. Anyway, so the fir- my favorite things. Um, I thought it looked really cool. I thought it was kind of beautiful. The, yeah. the cinematography was really good. Um, there were lots of really cool shots and scenes that were filmed in cool ways. Um, like when she, I feel like no matter what, like when we talk about this movie, we're going to sound really fucking filthy when we talk about it. Yeah. But, it's hard to talk about this movie in a sanit, you know, a sanitized way. Yeah. Like the scene when she's like in the shower and she comes out of the shower. I guess she's in the shower a lot in this movie, but <laughs> in the, when, when, when the car comes a knocking, um, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. And, and she's like coming out of the bathroom, but it's like a mirror and she like turns around. I thought that was a cool shot. Yeah. But, um, and I thought the music was really good. I thought the score was really good. And I thought it was a really cool use of, you know, other people's songs. And I like the, and then the like party scenes, like at the firehouse, I, I thought the music for those like so loud, like, you couldn't hear anything else but the music and you were just watching these people do whatever, but I thought that was really cool. Um, and I really liked, you know, I have to say, I, I, the more that I sat with this movie, the more I was like affected by it. Mm-hmm. And the more I think I liked it. Like I yeah. would never watch this again, like in my life. <laughs> And I would never presume to, like, pick up on, like, all the commentary that it's obviously about, you know, like, sexuality, you know, gender norms, um, parenthood. But it was interesting and it made me feel things. So I feel like no matter what the movie, that's always successful. I really liked Vincent, just in general, his, like, character. Mm -hmm. Um, I think probably because maybe I'm a parent and, you know. Um, he was just such a like shell of a person since losing his son that like, even when he finds out that, what the fuck's her name? Alexia. Alexia isn't his son. He's like, it's fine. I'll just take care of you. Yeah. Yep. Fills fills the void. Yes. I thought he was really good in the movie. Yeah. You know, it was fucking weird and it was gross. (laughs) Um, it was really gross. It was really graphic, but you couldn't really stop watching it. Right. It was pretty enveloping. Yeah. Like all the scenes where she like 
like in the bathroom when she tries to break her when she does break her nose like are you mm-hmm. kidding me uh, yeah mm-hmm. and then even like that like first scene like after <laughs> the scene well first of all the scene you know that like first scene when she's a kid in the car and like yeah you know she gets in the car accident and then she gets out of the, the hospital and she starts rubbing the car and yeah. then kisses it. I was like, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> like, what the hell is this movie? <laughs> Foreshadowing um, a little bit, huh? Yeah. But, like, the car fucking isn't really, like... <laughs> it's not the... It's very secondary. Yes. In terms of real estate of the movie, it is a small part of the movie. Even if yes. the... The result of the car fucking, as you put it, yes. is a major plot point of the movie. Yes. Like, I thought it was going to be, like, just all car fucking. Yeah. So, I think I'm glad that it wasn't. <laughs> right. Because it was more interesting than mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Like, when she's getting operated on, like, like and, like, putting the, like, titanium plate in her skull, it was like, Jesus Christ. The- yep. The, the the cutting of the skin and the opening and the and the just whew. yeah I don't know I've probably okay. said a lot I'll say more <laughs> okay somebody else can jump in sure I mean yeah I mean I have to agree it, visually it's I think it looks great it's shot really well uh, like the framing of a lot of the uh, of a lot of the scenes uh, was very shows a lot of thought was put into it um, yeah it was definitely one of those Everyone's sick of, everyone knows he's probably sick of me saying this. The movie is aggressively French, uh, which is to say you have to immediately stop taking everything at its visual face, literal value. Right. The movie shines the most once you turn that part off of your brain and you start to actually get into symbology and now I sound like a highfalutin jerk, but (laughs) no, it's true though, because they don't make like, there aren't. American Anglophile movies being made. Anglophile, that might not be the right word. No. But, like, there aren't really, like, you know. I'm sure there are. I mean, one could argue, what, the District 13 could have been the close, like, a good example of, like, something that, well, no. Take that I back. mean, this movie won the grand prize at the Cannes it, Film it, Festival it did. for Cannes 6. It won, it won the Palme d'Or. Like, pretty wild. Yeah, it it's... And, Magic realism is more of is very more common in French cinema, I would yes. say. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, and once you just start to appreciate, I mean, there's so many different. So the way I interpreted a lot of it was um, basically how, like you said, themes of family and that fam- and that theme being sometimes found family is the stronger bond than the biological one. I mean, her parents sucked ass too. Like, yeah. Oh no, no, they were both looking. Like, like both of them were looking for something, you know? Yes. yes. And I Every, thought that was cool. Right. Uh, they were all wanting. How we get around to filling that void in ourselves in this film, <laughs> you know, pretty extreme. Uh, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. a needle to the face here and there, footstool, you know, whatever. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, needle to the ear, um, brain, whatever. You got there eventually with Vincent and, uh, and Alexia. Uh, wait, I forget. I forget his son's name now. Aiden, but, was it? I think it was Aiden or Adian. I think it was Aiden. Aiden. Yeah. Mm, yeah, yeah. So yeah. yeah, when she takes on the persona of Aiden, 
that's when she starts to, you know, really grow as a person. Like it's finally, finally things start to make sense for her. Yeah. Um, which is again, a crazy to think about with based on the visuals alone. Um, so, and I was also reading up uh, some more about this and I was more focused in on the emotional connections. Um, that's how I was reading it, like the whole family stuff. Um, but then I, I totally missed this. The people were making excellent points about how the visually, like the scene, the graphic scene of her getting the titanium plate in her in her head can be, you can interpret that as that's her trauma. Now she's going to carry that trauma around with her. Yeah. You can interpret interpret how the movie ends uh the movie ends spoiler everybody still highly recommend you watch the movie the movie ends with her giving birth because having sex with this car impregnated her Mm. she gives birth at the end she uh she dies during labor and vincent is now a father again of this baby and this baby you don't see a lot of but you see that the baby is part chrome and part human uh and you can interpret that visually as trauma being passed down to the next generation as well yep again that that's i'm not taking any of credit for reading into that i i did not i was more focused on the yeah filling the voids in ourselves and and growing in fits fits and screams but yeah it's a great film and i i do where i i do find it a shame that it's going to be known in America as like, yeah, yeah, it's the movie where the chick fucks a car. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's like, right. It is so, it is, yeah, it's, it's minor in the grand scheme of this film, Alex. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree with everything you guys said. Uh, Cause yeah, <sighs> the, the, the visual storytelling in this movie was very strong. You know, like I, I watched it with subtitles, obviously, but a lot of this you could make sense of without them. Just uh, all the themes of family and the I, the trauma theme I managed to pick out um, while I was watching it, but it's which could be because I'm I'm you know think of trauma a lot or something I don't know, but I I thought it was very well. This movie was very the themes and the emotions were very well communicated through visual means, which I thought was really impressive. I thought, as you said, the music I thought was really good. I, I thought the the tracking shot of her walking in in the beginning and getting on the, the, the car and dancing was really cool. Yeah. Uh, I thought that the dance, her dancing was cool. Even the weird dance on the fire truck at the end was cool. Um, the colors were great. I really liked the shots when she like lit her parents' house on fire, which was a whole mm-hmm. weird thing. But the shots of the fire in the house, I thought looked great. The smoky wood scene near the end i thought looked beautiful i thought they did a really good job at that um i thought it was really funny when she thought she would only have to kill one person at that house (laughs) and then it was like a clown car and more and more people kept coming out i thought that was really funny that was funny and like i i also had no idea she was going to be killing people uh so that was a big surprise and and at points in this movie like for the first half when it was more murder based it reminded me of like a female-led version of movies like maniac or henry portrait of a serial killer in a way which i thought was was interesting and i didn't see coming but yeah i mean i agree with you guys oh yeah and i i, I liked vincent too the the steroid shots was a lot uh, but i i understood yeah. what was going on he was right. he was not only dealing with the loss of his son but dealing with the loss of his youth yeah 
he reminded me of a French Christopher Maloney, uh, or as I, 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 we kept calling him while I was watching it, Christophe Meloni. Um, <laughs> and, and like the whole, it was like weirdly heartwarming at times with him, which really like blew me away. Like the Mark, yeah. the Macarena scene was yeah. way too touching. Like, like this movie was insane. And then that scene happened and I'm like, I'm like feeling way more warmth than this movie should allow me to feel. But that's yeah. how impressive this movie was, I guess. Yeah. I also meant to mention that um, how like Alexa barely speaks in the whole movie. Yeah. Alexia. Um, and I thought that was very interesting and very cool. I agree. A testament to the actress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was her debut. And I thought she was she was fantastic. Yeah. Should we move on from favorite things? So you guys got more. The whole, the whole movie is a favorite thing. For <laughs> yeah. Just how original yeah. it is. So Yeah. All right. Um, do you have any honorable mentions or things you had mixed emotions about, sometimes known as the cronies in honor of the director, David Cronenberg, who would probably love this movie? Absolutely. <laughs> he, uh, he would love this movie. <laughs> I, I, I do think uh, uh, I do think Julia uh, DeCorno is the heir apparent to body horror. It it looks like it. Yeah, I haven't seen um, Raw, but now I kind of want to. I heard it's really good. She did another movie where uh, before Raw, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of it, where the body horror of that was people's skin peeling off. Uh, nice. Blah, 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 blah. No, thank you. <laughs> Cronies, I mean, a lot of, like, the gore. Like, it was just, like, a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Um, like, did it need... I suppose it was appropriate. But at times I was like, ooh. Um, <laughs> yeah. You thought I was a little, sometimes a little too excessive? Just a little too excessive, maybe. Yeah. I'm probably getting soft in my 40 years. But <laughs> that's okay. I enjoyed all of her tattoos. And of course, I'm blanking on um, the one that's right in the middle of her chest. It was like, oh, love yeah. is a dog of hell or something. I, I meant love to. Love is a dog from hell. I don't know. But it, it was, was something but like it was that. Cool and funny, and when I read it, I laughed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, I guess the most crony thing is the baby. In mm. terms oh of... yeah. Hello, Jesus. Yeah. That was uncomfortable. <laughs> I, everything yeah. involving the birth, like the the metal, like poking out of her skin, the motor yeah. oil, all the yeah. motor oil. All Ooh, the motor oil man. leaking. Every orifice. Like, even from oh, her, yeah. like, she had motor oil boobs, like, motor boobs. Like, it was, I was like, holy shit. Yeah, um, she was lactating motor oil. Yeah. Like, wow, man. Yeah, that was, that was uncomfortable. Yeah. Would it, would it even be called lactating at that point? <laughs> so, yeah. Um, honorable mentions. It's just like, again, the whole gender roles theme, too, is you know, yeah. I think really in the concept of gender was, I think that's an honorable mention, like yeah. how the dance parties at the, like, okay. So like Vincent is, yeah. struggling. Vincent's struggling with his, with aging and being, you know, losing his child. And he's very like, like uptight, would you say, or closed off yeah. cold yeah. a little, but in the dance parties with the firehouse dudes, <laughs> he lets go. Yeah. yeah. And that's beautiful. Yeah. But like, you know what I mean? But and like, so there you are, like you have these, you can view it as like, whoa, it's old dude dance parties and all these firefighter guys are just fucking living in the moment. Like, that's great. 
that's awesome. Yeah. I but thought yeah. it was so I loved what happened at the other at the second, you know, dance party with all the firefighters and like the reveal of Alexia. When she like gets on the um Yeah. And she's dancing and she like dances all the of only them, way she knows. Yeah. All of them think that she's his son, not a woman. And they're all just watching and they're like, I think I like like they're like, I like this. I think I like this. <laughs> Do I like this? And like they're all you know They're always like, very confused. Very funny to put like I just think it's always funny when um overtly masculine like <laughs> I don't know. It's fun to, are yeah. made to question things about themselves, you know? Oh, I agree. For sure. I, I did want to point out, this was kind of a cronies thing, I guess. I would have to say getting your hair stuck in someone's nipple ring in a group shower has to be one of the strangest meat cutes I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, that was really <laughs> something. Uh, <laughs> the, the car sex scene, I... She was yeah. tied up. It, it, I just, I didn't expect it to be quite like that. I didn't expect it to be so literal. Um, yeah. And I'll. <laughs> you think, you think she gets in the car and the car starts bumping up and down. And you think it's going to end there. It doesn't. No. It keeps going. No, it shows up. It <laughs> I kept, I, first thing I thought of for some reason was if the car is a rockin', Titan is inside it, tied up and throbbing. <laughs> <laughs> Also, the body taping was brutal. I felt so yes. bad for oh, her yeah. with all that body taping. Absolutely. Um, that all the like lines and kind of like burns on her from doing it was that was mm-hmm. rough. Yeah. Um, one thing that I would call an honorable mention is the the guy on the, the one of the firefighters that was suspicious of um tight of titan or or alexia not being the son there was that weird scene where the father gave him a gas can and he seemingly blew up propane tank propane tank and there's you see him again for a brief second during the dance scene but I've, i've i've been seeing a lot of different opinions some people think that he wasn't actually there and someone like imagined him some people say he only was injured by it but it seemed like he was killed in that yeah in that explosion and the thing that i thought was interesting is his name was conscience oh my god so it seemingly it was the father killing his conscience in order to keep the lie that he was believing by that this was his son well yeah and i mean vincent also literally says like i will protect you and i will kill anyone right well who could hurt you even myself right so yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree. I, I think him showing up in that scene that it's a hallucination. Right, right. Because no one else has reacted to him. Exactly. Do you guys have a favorite death scene? I mean, the whole sequence at the house. I yeah. mean, the the stool. <laughs> the stool right. death. Um, was a lot. Yeah. The fact that she locks her parents in the house Ugh. for them to burn alive in. Yep. And it's so casual, too. Like, it, if you I weren't know. really paying attention, you wouldn't even know she killed them. Like, if you were kind of zoned out it's watching not... it, you wouldn't even know. Because they don't show the, like, like you don't see the house burning, you know? Like, yeah. she just splits and that's it. It's the implication. Yeah. I mean, and plus, you, plus you see, like, the dad. Dad knew she came home, you know? And, like, she looks in the door and the dad's there, like, looking at her. Like, yeah. Right yeah. Bed. He was creepy. Something yeah, was up he, with yeah. him, for sure. The whole family. Oh, yeah, yeah. There was a whole, like, abuse situation happening Definitely. for sure or, exactly. s- or something like that, you know. 
for sure. Yeah, favorite death. So favorite death scene. Got to give it to the first death scene. Um, the dude, the, yep. the quote unquote. I'm a real big fan of yours. No, you're uh, not. You're a fucking creep. Yeah. Um, I got to give it to that one because that immediately tells you what's going to happen now yeah. and how like this movie is going to be visceral. Uh, yeah. And f- just jabbing a needle into one's ear slash brain and then convulsing from seizure death. Yeah, that's going to do it. Yeah, that was a question I had, like, like when he was, like, foaming at the mouth. I was like, is that what happens when you... But, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's possible, I suppose, if you hit the right part of the brain. But, but yeah. So. I, I think I'd probably give it to that, too, just because that completely shocked me. I I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had no idea that kind of thing was going to be happening. So, uh, I, yeah, I think probably give it to that, too. And it also sets the stage, like, Alexia's relationship with romantic love. Mm. And how she reacts going forward to romantic love until yeah. she changes later. Right. Anyway. Was there anything you didn't like about Titan? Was there anything that confused you? I mean, certainly this movie was far from confusing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I was, um, I mean, there were definitely like lots of questions, like the whole car situation and how she became pregnant from a, like a, <laughs> but I mean, I think all of my questions are, why was she killing people like but like she was just killing people because she's a trauma survivor and she's fucked up you know right yeah i mean it's i also don't think bothered. we're made to know yeah um i think any things that were confusing were like either meant to be confusing or you know questions that didn't really need answering you know okay. yeah yeah i agree yeah I, I agree with that um yeah my only problem with the movie was myself and the fact that i had to turn off the literal part of my head and just go full sim- symbolic and once i did that it was great but right. if you have a hard time separating from what you're seeing to and experiencing to to take a, like a step back and analyze as you go yeah it's gonna be a rough watch yeah right yeah i didn't really have anything i didn't like or was truly confused about beyond the stuff that i thought was supposed to be purposely confusing but i yeah. was a little surprised to see i believe she she or someone else was wearing a Salem State College sweater. <laughs> I know, point. I saw that. that yeah. surprised my break. That was my breaky. And two, during the last firefighter dance, I'm pretty sure that for a good portion of the beginning of it, they weren't actually in slow motion. I think they were pretending to be in slow motion because they're smoking during it and the smoke seems to be moving regularly. Hmm. Oh, interesting. I, 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 it could it just be me, but, you know, if anyone else out there watches it, um, keep an eye out during that scene because I, I I think at first, afterwards, it, it, halfway through, it seems to go to actual slow motion, but I'm pretty sure during the beginning of it, it's fake. I, I could be wrong. And if hmm. it is fake, I, I'm amused by that. All those years of mime school pay off, man. Yeah, exactly. Um, would you give any random aesthetic choices in Titan a breaky award in honor of the Windbreakers and the Neil Blomkamp movie Demonic? Um, I mean, yeah, like she had cool hair. Yeah, I thought it was cool that she didn't cover up her that she like always had her hair up pretty much just and so that you could always see her scar. I thought that was a nice choice. I agree. My breaky was spoiled and is the Salem State <laughs> sweatshirt. And I was randomly thrown in there. Uh, second runner-up breaky would be her uh, would be the shirt, the Never Give Up shirt, the oh, teal yeah. and pink lettering. Oh yeah, that was good. That was cool. 
that she stole from one of her victims. Yes. I was going to mention, yeah, I liked her hair and how well she pulled off that scar. I, She just, she pulled it off. Um, I liked her lion jacket that she was wearing in the beginning. Ooh, yeah, that's right. That was pretty cool. To tell us that she's a predator. <laughs> yeah, stalking. I think I have to give a breaky to the the car father. The car father. Um, oh, the flame car with the <laughs> flames on it and shit. It was a pretty cool looking car. I, I I I think I have to give it. I think I have to give it to the car. The early two thousands button up shirt flame car. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was good. Now, finally, would you recommend Titan? Absolutely, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I I think this movie probably isn't for everyone, but. No. If you have the stomach for it and you're interested in a more cerebral watch than usual, I, I would say hell, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, it won the Palme d'Or for a reason, folks. Right. Ooh, nice form, but a little rough on the landing. He may have to settle for the bronze. <laughs> The sound of Jim Carrey saying one of his great lines from Batman Forever means we are out of time. We'll be back next Monday with a new episode, assuming we don't get our faces crushed by a stool-wielding French woman with a car baby growing inside of her before then. If you have any questions for me, Matt, or Tim, you can reach us through our email, aiptmoviespod at gmail.com, or find us on Twitter at aiptmoviespod. If you like this podcast or any of the other great podcasts, articles, or features on AIPT, you can help support the site and the people who work on it by signing up for our Patreon at patreon.com slash AIPTcomics. Thanks for listening, and don't forget, it's okay to love movies. They may not be able to love you back, but they'll always be there for you. Bye. <laughs> <Toodaloo>. <laughs> nice, man. Nice, man.